Welcome to another edition of J&J Sports Pod radio cast thing. Perfect. I don't, think, I don't think we've ever gotten the intro right. Maybe we should write it down sometime, but... I think you nailed it a couple times, and then I cursed you with my horribleness. No, something like that. But either way, we're glad you're joining us for another edition, Talking NBA, alongside James. I'm Jacob, and... Got a good topic that we're going to get to today as the playoff races are starting to wind down, teams are starting to jockey for position, and in the East is where we're going to spend our attention here today. A lot of good races going on in the East. Yeah, it's really a three-headed race there with first and second place, the Cavs and Raptors, and then you have the Hawks, Heat, Celtics, Hornets, Badland for that those third through three through six positions, and then uh, Pistons, Pacers, Bulls, Wizards trying to snag those last two spots. So it's been a lot of fun, and these last eight games or so are pretty exciting for everybody. Yeah, right now the Cavs, Raptors, and Hawks have secured a playoff uh, berth as the the Cavs have clinched their division and the Raptors and Hawks have a playoff berth. And as you mentioned, the Pistons, Pacers, Bulls, Wizards, they're still fighting for those last two playoff spots. Everyone else in the East below them has been eliminated. The Magic, Bucks, Knicks, Nets, 76ers. Um, So, yeah, like you said, these last few games are going to be very interesting, so I'm excited to dive into this topic. We'll start up at the top where the Cavaliers and the Raptors, it's just a two-man race there for that top spot. Right now, the Cavaliers have the edge at 52-22, and 22, two and a half games up on the Raptors. But the Cavs are doing some interesting things right now with resting some guys. LeBron got the night off last night against Houston, and the Rockets ended up coming back from, I believe they were down as many as 20. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they were down as many as 20. Yeah. Rockets came back and ended up winning that game. There's been a lot of talk about LeBron and his mood, his behavior, his cryptic tweets. What does it all mean? And all the reports last night during the game, LeBron was, I don't know how I want to put this, but he was he was coaching the team. He was getting in their faces, getting in the huddles, coaching them a lot. And some people didn't really know what to think of that. Yeah, I don't really have an issue. He's clearly the leader of the team, and I mean, if he thinks that he can help them win, or if he thinks that they he needs to do that for them to have a chance to win at all, because clearly they're like they're going through issues and they aren't on the same page with eight games left in the season. So something needs to change. So if that means LeBron speaking up more and trying to lead the team more as a coach instead of just also a player, um, then, yeah, got to do what you got to do, I suppose. Might as well try something. Yeah, I don't have an issue with LeBron being that vocal leader, that coach really either. 
Um, I think it's, it's like, good for it's him. It's not like Ty, Ty or own Lou's been around a, as a head coach too often since they made the switch so late in the season. I mean, Tyrone Lou's still trying to get his feet under himself, I think, some. Um, and so maybe LeBron overstepped his boundaries some, but I think LeBron, I mean, it's LeBron's legacy. I mean, it's everybody's, but LeBron's one of the greatest players ever. So I think if anyone else did it, I don't think they'd be that mad if it was Kobe or Jordan or whatever. People just like right. to talk about LeBron. Yeah, and this isn't anything new. This is something LeBron has done before. So I don't think people should be too surprised by it. I think what should worry Cavaliers fans is that they did let the Rockets come back from 20 down. I mean, you still got Kevin Love on the team, Kyrie Irving, Mozgov, uh, J.R. Smith. You still got guys who can produce at a high level in the NBA, and they're letting the Rockets, who have been, I mean, nothing short of a dumpster fire on and off in the, during the season, let them come back and and get the W. I mean, the Cavaliers getting that first seed isn't a foregone conclusion. Two and a half games up, and they have, let's see, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games left. Mm-hmm. So I guess that posed the question. Well, two questions, really. Are the Cavs concerned with getting that one seed in the East? And... Do the Raptors catch the Cavs? I think the Cavs end up holding on. They have a pretty tough schedule with they still face Atlanta, Charlotte, Indiana, Chicago, Atlanta, Detroit, which those are all teams battling for something right now, and they're going to be going all out in those games. But I think the Cavs will end up holding on just because I think uh, LeBron's still really good, and when he turns it on, I think he can just win those games practically by himself, especially as he took a night off there in Houston and he's had a nice five-day break or whatever between that last Knicks game and then when they play Brooklyn on on uh, tomorrow, actually. So I think they'll be all right. Toronto does have an easier schedule, but A, I don't think the Cavs care too much about that one seed. Um with LeBron having been there so many times, I think I think he thinks he can get it done on the road in the playoffs, even though if they did face Toronto and have to play four games there, those Toronto crowds can be crazy. Yeah, Drake really riles up those fans. I know. It's ridiculous. Yeah. But So I don't think they care too much about it, but I think they'll also hold on to it. I think LeBron's that good of a player. And as a Pistons fan, I'm really hoping they have that one seed locked up by or don't have a chance for the one seed by April 13th because they play Detroit on their last game of the season. Yeah. So hopefully they don't have anything to play for and hopefully they're sitting all their players because Detroit probably will have something to play for. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good point they bring up as far as Cleveland resting their players on that last game of the season hoping that they won't really have too much to play for. I tend to agree with you. I don't think the Cavs are all that concerned with getting the one seed in the East. I still think the Cavs are going to be the team to come out of the East. Oh, yeah. Uh, and um, even if the Raptors catch them, which I don't think they will either, I think that the Cavaliers are going to lock it up. Um even if the Raptors were to catch them, the Cavs aren't going to really fret about being a two-seed. 
I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference. No. I mean, I you would assume if it came down to Raptors-Cavs in the Eastern Conference Finals, even if the Raptors had home court advantage, that Cavaliers would be able to take one. LeBron James' teams always seem to have that switch that they flip when it comes playoff times. They can get to that level. Although with this team, there are definitely some concerns, some um, so cohesion concerns with this team. You know, what's their what's their crunch time lineup? I was listening to some ESPN radio on the way home today, and they made an interesting point. You think about the top teams in the league: Golden State, San Antonio, Oklahoma City has got to be considered up there now with their recent not, uh, stretch, minus the loss last night against the Pistons. And Cleveland. Golden State has a lineup that it can go to in crunch time at the end of games. They have their death lineup. San Antonio has their lineup that they can go to at the end of games. Oklahoma City, I don't think they really have that lineup. Well, I know they don't. Billy Donovan, first-year coach, still messing around with those lineups. And Cleveland, I don't think they have that lineup to really close out games or when games get close in the fourth quarter, end-of-game scenarios. I don't think they have that go-to line of it. And that's something that they've got eight games to figure that out. Yeah, they definitely are more of individual talents instead of an actual unit. Because we see San Antonio and Golden State swinging the ball around and Oklahoma more recently. And Cleveland, it's more like Kyrie goes one-on-one, LeBron goes one-on-one, Zach Lowe just wrote something where he had a, sh- a short clip of more how the Timberwolves used Kevin Love, whereas the Cavs just stick him on the three-point line somewhere, um, which just, that's not how he works. He doesn't play well like that, clearly. So, yeah, um, we'll see. I mean, it's LeBron taking over the game. He's still really, really hard to stop, even though he hasn't had his jump shot like he has in other years. But it'll be interesting, especially if Toronto doesn't get DeMar Carroll back this season at all. Because he's one guy who can guard LeBron James. But yeah, And there's been that. conflicting reports of whether he could come back or not. And some people say if, it, if they make a deep run in the playoffs. But how effective can DeMar Carroll be if he has to guard LeBron on his like first game back or whatever. So... I'm not yeah. sure what happens with them exactly, but they have they have an easier schedule, and uh, they've been playing well. Biombo's been playing really well lately. He's still maybe only 23 years old. We know there were some skeptical GMs when he was drafted who said he might be like six years older than what he was listed at, but he's been really good lately, so I don't know. I think Toronto, Toronto. If if it's Toronto versus Cleveland in the playoffs, then I think Toronto could give Cleveland a run for their money, just because Toronto is really good and Kyle Lowry is really good. Yeah, although last few games, you know, Lowry is dealing with that bad elbow, so you, I think you got to factor that into that race for first as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Raptors. Raptors should be more concerned with getting Kyle Lowry completely healthy for mm-hmm. the playoffs because if he's not completely healthy then they they may get past the first round they would probably get past the first round but if they have any shot at beating the Cavaliers they're going to have to have Kyle Lowry 
at 100%. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, so yeah, I think I think Cleveland holds on to the one spot and Toronto ends up in this, as the two seed heading into the playoffs. How about you? Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that one. I don't think those one-two spots change. But some spots that could end up flip-flopping between the three, four, five, and 6 seeds right now, uh, Atlanta, Miami, Boston, and Charlotte, yeah, way right now, more interesting race here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right now you've got Atlanta sitting in the three spot. They are at 45 and 30. Miami in the fourth spot at 43 and 30. Boston in fifth at 43 and 31. And Charlotte in sixth at 43 and 31. So you have to imagine that those positions are going to flip-flop quite a few times before the season is done. And more than likely, how they are right now is not how they're going to end up. Yeah. Um, beginning with that that team that's in third right now in Atlanta, they've been playing really well lately. Uh, they've been beating some good teams. They have a decently tough schedule in that they have to face Cleveland and Toronto both twice. Uh, through the rest of the season, so that could be tough on them. But they've been playing fantastically well, and yeah, nine teams... and one in their last ten. So they've oh yeah yeah playing really well. Mm-hmm. And they yeah, I mean their last four losses, they lost to the or their last few losses: Wizards, Raptors, Warriors, Warriors. So like all like respectable teams. That Wizards mm-hmm. game kind of got out of hand, but then they beat them the next night. But yeah, they're really good. Um, it's just really hard to guard Teague and Schroeder, two-headed monster at guard, because they're they're out there for 48 minutes handling the ball. And both of those guys, you need like a really good elite defender to slow them down. And so it's just really tough on teams trying to handle both of those guys, and I think that's kind of shown the last two weeks or so, maybe even more, three weeks, where Atlanta's just gone on a roll. But one thing about Atlanta, actually, I had two things to say that I was thinking about. One is Tim Hardaway Jr. Everybody judged that trade, including me, about a month into the season where they weren't playing him and he wasn't even not. He was like a reserve. And he's been tearing it up in March, shooting 41% from downtown. And. So it's kind of a reminder, everybody hold your horses on throwing out the judgments on trades and draft picks and all that stuff. And the second one is Corver still doesn't look healthy, which is really depressing. He's shooting 40% from downtown this season, which is good, but it's like 10% lower than it was last year. And his free throws per game are down a season. And when they were playing the Pistons the other day, he had a there's a moment when he had a split second to shoot the ball. It was just there was a bit of an open window where Ed, last year he would have fired that up immediately, but he hesitated just a second, and I just don't think he's comfortable from the injury he suffered yet. And I'm not sure if he ever gets comfortable since it was he had to learn how to shoot again in a way. But yeah, the, it does suck about Corver. He's such a fun player to watch. And yeah, sorry, I threw a lot of stuff at you there. No, you're so good trying to digest <laughs> it all, but yeah, just trying to comprehend everything and think about where I want to go first. But 
he is he is so essential to that Hawks offense just in terms of being able to keep defenders on their toes and knowing that they can't cheat off of him to help you know he's he does so much without the ball he's he's so essential to that and then you mentioned Jeff Teague Dennis Schroeder those are I mean having those two guys as as your point guards is is a good thing to have and for teams to have to try to go against that for the full 48 minutes is a tough tough task especially for these backup units and you got to think come playoff time defense will lock down a little more but you know it's tough to defend against those guys think they have working against them though is that schedule like you mentioned toronto twice cleveland twice uh boston not an easy game at washington that's not going to be an easy game because washington is still fighting for a playoff spot too yeah <clears throat> if i had to if i had to predict what was going to go with the hawks seeing as they have played more games than the three teams behind them one more game uh, two more games than Miami one more game than Boston and Charlotte mm-hmm. I'd have to predict that Atlanta falls out of the three just based on their schedule and I think I think they just slip to the four spot that's my prediction I think Atlanta will slip to the four spot behind my, I Miami's got a fairly easy schedule. They could very easily slip up to that three spot. Uh, Boston. Boston's schedule isn't terrible. Charlotte. Charlotte looks like they may have. Well, they got a couple tough games. Cleveland, Toronto. But I just, I don't trust Atlanta's schedule right now. Mm -hmm. Especially with Corver being not 100%. Even though. You know, I hope they prove me wrong. Nine and one of the last ten games, they're on a roll and yeah. doing it, doing it against decent teams. One thing that I do like about Atlanta's schedule, like you mentioned, is that they have played more games than other teams. They have zero back to backs for the rest of the season, which I think is huge. I mean, they're going to be well rested every single game here, and I think that does make a big difference. And but yeah, like you said, I mean, Toronto twice, Cleveland twice, at Washington, which there's a chance Washington won't have anything to play for that last right. day of the season. We'll see. Hopefully Atlanta does, though, as a Pistons fan, in case Washington does have something to play for. But mm-hmm. um, I think they actually stay in that three spot just because they have been playing so well, and I think they're really good. Um I think maybe I think they'll probably split both those games with Cleveland, Toronto, one, 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 and then I think they could probably win the rest of them. Since I mean Phoenix, Phoenix and Boston are both at home and just being well rested, I think they can. I think they'll hold on to that lead narrowly over Miami, but it'll definitely be interesting because if they slip up, I mean if they slip up any of those games, they could definitely be dropping down and. With how tight it is, you're playing for home court advantage in that first round, which could be huge with these teams that are so evenly matched. So how do you see those three through six spots shaping up? Right now, Atlanta, Miami, Boston, Charlotte. Do you see any teams flip-flopping? Yeah, I actually have Atlanta, Charlotte, Miami, Boston. 
So you got wow, Charlotte <clears throat> moving all the way up to that fourth spot. <laughs> they a whole half a game jump yeah. over Miami. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Charlotte's got they, they play Philly at Cleveland at Toronto at New York versus the Nets at Washington at Boston versus Orlando. Yeah. So not I mean so, those are they have what three four losable games probably. You Cleveland think they'd probably, Toronto. Think Boston, they probably beat the Washington. Knicks and Nets. Yeah. I think I think they beat the Sixers. I think they pull out a win against the Knicks, against the Nets, against the Wizards. I think they I mean, if I had to guess, I think they lose at Cleveland and at Toronto and win the rest of their games. Yeah, they definitely could. Knicks is on a back-to-back, which is tough on the road. Boston's on a back-to-back on the road, which is tough on that second half. But they've been playing really well. Batum's been out of his mind playing for that contract. He is going to get paid this summer. Um, Yeah, I mean, since they got Courtney Lee, they've been really good. Uh, One thing I like about the Hornets, I mean... A, Kimba Walker's playing way better than I ever would have guessed this season. He's having a career year by far. But of any lineup that has played at least 300 minutes this season, the Hornets have the seventh best with Kimba, Courtney Lee, Batum, Marvin Williams, and Cody Zeller. And those guys have been really good together. They're a plus about eight in net rating per 100 possessions. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they're really good. They're playing really well. It's just it's tough for me to imagine them losing too many games at the way things have looked lately. No, I my my concern with Charlotte is that they haven't necessarily been here before. They haven't necessarily been in this kind of a tight. You know, I mean, they've been in the playoff race last year. They were they it's were stuck in that eighth seed yeah. two seasons ago, I think, right? Two seasons ago, it could what? have been last year. It's all blur. So they're they're not all that familiar with being in, you know, a, a de- yeah, having the opportunity ago. to be in a decent playoff position. Uh, I think that that inexperience could possibly harm them a little bit. But I mean, you you look at this team. You know, they're they're playing loose. Nick, you know, like you mentioned, Batum has just been playing out of his mind. Yeah, I mean, and one quick point is, like, Batum has been in that playoff hunt, like, with Portland, and Kimba Walker was there a couple years ago when um, they snuck into that, or they got that eighth spot when Jefferson got hurt versus the mm-hmm. Heat. And Courtney Lee's been there with some teams, and, um, I mean, Jeremy Lin's been around for a while, so some of their guys haven't, but I think some of their guys have been, and I think... I don't know. They're just playing so well that I can't imagine them losing many games. But, yeah, I mean, some of those guys, we'll see if they tighten up. And, I mean, the margin for error is so slim if you're trying to move up to that four spot and get home court yep. advantage. Yep. Yeah, and, it's, uh, this is the – in my opinion, this is the best race right here is, is these three through six teams just just because of how tight it is. And, like you mentioned, that margin for error is so slim. Yeah, uh, you can't afford to go on a two-game losing streak. <laughs> I know it just, just can't happen if if you have aspirations of getting into that four seed, 
three mm. seed. For sure. Um, wait, what's your order? I don't think we heard yours. Uh, I am going to say Miami, Atlanta, Charlotte, Boston. Okay. So I just, I'm just give me your reasoning for Miami here. My, the my reasoning, I mean, I've been incredibly skeptical about Miami all year. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a, a majority of people would say that. This is going solely off schedules. Lakers are just, there aren't enough words to describe how atrocious the Lakers are right now. They're having a few issues right now. Yeah. Sacramento, you'd. I, you never know what you're going to get at Portland. Portland's kind of they've been they were in a little bit of a funk. Uh, Detroit, they're playing for something. Chicago, still playing for something, but Chicago's got their own issues. Back to back against Orlando, and then at Detroit again, and at Boston, they've got some very winnable games there. Uh, just with how everybody else's schedule rounds out. I mean, it's going to be tough. They, they've got quite a few games on the road. But I've been betting against Miami all year, so they proved me wrong, so I'm going to put some faith in them. And it'll probably backfire, and they'll probably end up getting that sixth seed. But I know, it'll be beautiful. It will be, because that's just what happens. You know, You make these predictions, you feel somewhat good about them, and they just blow up in your face. Yeah, but, yeah, I think, I mean, Miami does have winnable games. They have three back-to-backs on the road, which is a little scary. And that final game versus Boston, and Boston could be playing for something huge here. Yep. And, but yeah, I'll be rooting for them against the Bulls, that's for sure. And, like you said, yeah, you never know what you're getting with Sacramento. So they definitely have winnable games. Six on the road's a little tough, yeah. especially at the end of the year. Um I mean, I'm I'm kind of talking myself out of it right now, but <laughs> how about just, this? I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna talk you back into. I'm gonna reassure you of your original thought. All right. So Whiteside is playing for that massive contract that he's about to get. Yep. Uh, January, February, March, his free throw percentage went from 50 to 70 to 80. See, and that just shows sense. that anybody can shoot these free throws. I mean, come on. All right. Good, I know, so much of it's a mental block. I mean, yeah. Whiteside wasn't shooting well, and it's like it just clicked, and now he's not nervous at all, which I think is just yeah. so much of it. Like, we hear we hear DeAndre and Dwight and Drummond are shooting 70 to 80% in practice or whatever consistently, but then when they get in game, they just it all falls apart around them. And clearly, Whiteside's figured it out. But um, in March, Whiteside is averaging 18.5, 12.5, and 3 blocks per game which is ridiculous. And yeah, that's a good stat line. have an offensive rating of 112 when Joe Johnson's on the court, which he's been yeah. a real nice boon for them there in scoring. Yeah, department. who would have thought Joe Johnson would be making this kind of an impact? Yeah. I mean, I keep forgetting that he's bad. with the Heat. But... Defense is still bad, but for a team that doesn't have outside shooting and – could need that lift sometime i think joe johnson's a perfect fit for them yeah and it gives them another bully on the block because if anyone joe johnson can shoot or if they try to put anyone smaller on him then he can easily back them down he's been doing it his whole career 
although he has struggled some more recently. But he's been good with Miami on offense. Um, those are two things that I think give Miami some favor in my eyes. But, yeah, I think they're going to drop down below Charlotte. So I think they'll play Charlotte. Wait, what is that? Yeah, they'll play Charlotte in the first round in my eyes. Um, so Boston, we both have dropping down. Yes. My reason for dropping Boston down is mostly that they they need Jay Crowder to be where he was before he got hurt. So when he got hurt, Boston was Boston had a net rating of 3.1 on the season. Or they've had a net point rating of 3.1 on the season. When Jay Crowder got hurt, it dropped down to about a negative point two, which takes them from a top ten team in the playoff or a top ten team in the NBA to out of the playoffs. And just losing him's been so hard and he's supposed to be back soon, but he has to be healthy for them to be as good as they were. Cause he's just so important to their team. He's can defend multiple positions and he's his offensive game's improved a ton and just gives them another threat. Um one thing I'm really looking forward to, or well, actually they have they have Port at Portland at Golden State on back to backs coming up, so I think they'll lose both of those, and then they also have to play Atlanta, Charlotte, Miami last game three games of the season. Those three games are going to be so huge for them. Yeah. But their schedule's not too bad outside of Portland and Golden State in those last three, so they could do it, but it's solely. Everything depends on Crowder in my eyes, and I don't think he's going to be 100% yet. And so I think they might lose some games and drop down a little bit. Yeah, I, those you make some compelling arguments. Um, I just I I think I trust Charlotte a little more than I trust Boston, so I, I, that's one of the reasons I have Boston yeah, I, slipping. I think Charlotte. The way they've been playing under Steve Clifford, they have a lot of weapons. I think they enjoy, like, I just think they're playing really well. And I also think Brad Stevens is a great coach as well. But Oh, yeah, I love Brad Stevens. Yeah, I definitely trust Charlotte more, even though they have a little bit of a tougher schedule and just how well they've been playing. So, both agree on Boston going down. So, chances are Boston will end up in the three seed. Yeah. Yeah, that's what will probably happen. Miami will be the four seed. Atlanta will be the six seed. Yeah. Very, very compelling race to the finish here between these four teams. Probably, well, in my eyes, the most the most compelling of <clears throat> of the teams that are that are in the Eastern Conference playoff race. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be a lot of fun to watch as we come down the stretch here in just these last few games of the season. That'll take us to the seven eight spot in the East. Right now, the seven spot owned by Detroit, who's been playing very well lately, coming off a big win against the Oklahoma City Thunder last night, and the Indiana Pacers, who have the eight spot. Chicago is in ninth, Washington in tenth, but uh, Chicago, Chicago's just uh, <clears throat> see. Two games back at the Pacers, and the Wizards are three games back. So, you know, there's there's always the chance that, you know, 
Pistons or Pacers could go on a losing streak. Washington, Chicago could take over. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Detroit and Indiana are both going to make the playoffs. I think Chicago is going to be on the outside looking in. I don't think Washington gets in either. I think how it's set up right now, Detroit 7, Indiana 8, I think that's how it's going to remain. Yeah, I actually have the Pacers passing the Pistons here the last few games of the season. Uh, the Pacers' Scared. schedule is a breeze. Yeah. They, seriously, this thing, they play. Who do they play? I don't have it up. I do have it up now. They have Orlando, Philly, Knicks. Then they have Cavs, Raptors, and then Nets, Knicks, Bucks. They're probably winning all but two of those, maybe all but three at Milwaukee's a back-to-back last game yeah. of the season. And, and you never know what Cleveland's going to do. I mean, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I think the Pacers win all but three of those, and they end up uh, with just a good record, whatever, 44 and 38 probably. Which, so a couple reasons why I think the Pacers are going to do that. Really, just they have an extremely easy schedule. That's pretty much it. Those idiots lost to the Bulls yesterday, which, I mean, if I thought the Pistons had a chance of keeping ahead of the Pacers for that seventh spot, then it wouldn't be a big deal. But I don't think they will, so I was kind of upset about that. Um, One other thing, Ty Lawson looked pretty good the other night. So that was something coming off the bench. He kind of looked like his, his old self, which was good to see for if you're a Pacers fan. And one thing I noticed the other night about the Pacers was they, someone, I guess it may have been the Bulls game, but they switched a smaller player on the Miles Turner when they set a screen, and Turner just backed him down and easily shot a little. He just turned and hit an easy post-up shot against him like it was nothing. And that's why I get so excited about Miles Turner. He can shoot, and if any of... If it is a smaller player, which happens a lot, especially with people who pop out, I think, especially after a few years, he's just going to destroy those players. But that's a little off topic, but it just yeah. made me excited about his future. Right. I Yeah. He He's shown a lot of really, really good flashes that, that like you said, if you're a Pacers fan, there's a lot to get excited for with him. But <clears throat> going back to the to that race, I I think Detroit's going to hold down that seven spot. I mean, they had a big win. Granted, the Thunder didn't play Kevin Durant. Or Serge Ibaka. Or Serge Ibaka. <laughs> but, hey, win's a win. So Detroit has Dallas coming up. Then they go at Chicago, at Miami. Those are two tough ga- three tough games. At Orlando. Versus Washington, versus Miami, and then at Cleveland. So, all those games are winnable. Yes, but they're tough games. So I think they'll end up dropping a couple. Yeah, having the three on the road: Chicago, Miami, Orlando. They have uh, to win at least one of those three. Yeah, yeah. Preferably think, Chicago. But. Yes. Yeah, that would be the one. I think they would get. I think they can. You know, depending on how their legs are after the Miami game, the going to Orlando, that's yeah. a that's a very winnable game for them. Definitely winnable. You gotta think you gotta think that last game against Cleveland that 
the Cavs are going to be resting everybody. That's the hope. Yeah, it's the hope. It would. I would personally be surprised if that wasn't the case. Seeing as that's the Cavaliers' last game as well, mm-hmm. they're by that point they're either going to have the one seed or the they're not going to care. Yeah, I I just so. don't foresee the Cavaliers really playing their starters at all, or you know just a few minutes. Uh, Detroit playing well lately, seven to three in their last ten. They're starting. They're they're playing well at the right time. So that's what gives me confidence for Detroit to get that seven seed. Yes, the Pacers have just you know a little short of a cakewalk with their schedule. Uh, I think Detroit understanding the importance of holding on to that seven seed. Who you want to play in the first round? The Cavaliers or the Raptors? Both tough teams. But I think you can ask anyone; they would choose. They would rather play the Raptors in the first round. Yeah. Uh, one good thing is Dallas. They won't. Without Parsons, I'm not very scared of Dallas. Dallas has been horrible lately. I think Detroit can roll over them. So that should be a win, which means that puts them at 41. If they can win three of their last six to get to 44 and 38, then I would be very happy. Although then they do do lose the tiebreaker. I was going to say, I think think the Pacers own the tiebreaker. Yes, they do. And so that's why I have the – that's the main reason I have – well, that's one of the reasons I have the Pacers um, keeping that or taking back that seventh seed is just because of that tiebreaker. But we both agree that the Bulls and the Wizards are going to be on the outside looking in. Yeah, I don't think the Bulls. The Bulls, they don't have as tough of a schedule as the Pistons, but they have five games on the road still. And, I mean, Houston, they could lose at Houston. They could lose Detroit, although they should win that. Then at Milwaukee on the next night's tough. Um, I don't like Milwaukee. I wouldn't want to face Milwaukee on a back-to-back because they have such long arms and they're, they get into the passing lanes well. So on that back-to-back, if you get a little bit lazy, those are all turning into turnovers and tip mm-hmm. passes and that. Um, Memphis, they've looked a little better. If Randolph's healthy then I'll be much higher, much happier, much uh, something. <laughs> a lot of things, because I think we'll have a much better chance Just of winning. Just a lot of emotions. So many emotions. A glass case. Uh, at, uh, my, at Miami, that's a tough game. And then Cleveland, who knows what you're getting. But hopefully it's a team yeah. that's trying to trash the Bulls. So... I think that the Bulls end up dropping out. I don't think they can catch the Pistons or Pacers. They're two back in the loss column. They have, they only have one more back-to-back, which is nice for them. But a lot of road games. And, yeah, if they lose to the Pistons on Saturday, then it's pretty much season over for them, yeah. I think. And the Wizards, the other team that we don't think will make it, they have, I mean, they have to go to Sacramento tonight after losing a close one to Golden State, which who knows what you're getting in Sacramento, but that's but coming not easy. off Golden State, you know, they expended a lot of energy there. Yeah, and they still have the Clippers on the road and the Pistons on the road and the Hornets and Nets on the road in Atlanta. Those are a lot of games to win for a team that hasn't been looking super great, that lost to Minnesota in double overtime just really... It, I was scared of the Wizards overtaking the Pistons, but 
That loss to the Wolves in overtime was just brutal. Double yeah. overtime. Because that took them... They would have been 500 then at that point, and instead of being a few games back, what, three games back of the Pistons, three and a half, three in the lost column, it would only be two, which is way scarier. But So, I'm not too scared of them. Yeah, as a Pistons fan. Yeah. 7-8 spots, my, I, I think they're locked up. Um, yeah. So... If they could switch, I just don't... I don't see the Bulls overtaking them. Bulls just have too many issues right now. Uh, Derek Rose, not healthy again. Hey, he's been playing a little better, though. He's playing better. Shooting I, 40% on threes, 2.6 threes lately. I think in March it, or something. Yeah. Uh, Butler's I, been bad since coming back. Just so I, many road games, yeah. they haven't been great. I think Fred Hoiberg just needs a year under his belt. I think next year, there we'll see a what lot the Bulls of changes. Yeah, I think it'll be very interesting to see what the Bulls are going to do in the off season. Uh, yeah. I agree with you. I think they're going to have a lot to consider. <clears throat> they're going to have a lot of things they're going to need to change. So Bulls are going to be looking forward to the off season. W- yeah. Wizards coming into the season, I was high on the Wizards. I. I expected them. I expected them to be three seed, right around there, and it's just been a disappointment. I think. I think the Wizards just looking to have this season end, and just to put it behind them so they can focus on next year. Yeah, I don't. I don't have any faith in Chicago or Washington sneaking into the playoffs. Yeah, Gasol coming back could give him a boost. Butler's been really bad since coming back. 40% from the field, 18% from three. He says he doesn't feel right. That I don't. No, if Butler's an, not healthy, then I don't think they have a chance. That's an issue um, if he's saying that. One so. thing that has to do with both of these teams, the Pistons and Wizards are two of the teams we've talked about, is that the Morris boys have been tearing up March. They have. Marcus... Or Markeith shooting almost 40% from the three-point line, 50% from the field. He's just been nuts. And Marcus, who's been way more nuts in March, has been shooting 50% from downtown on quite a few attempts and 49% from the field. There have been at least two games where Marcus won the game for the Pistons, just from being so good. Yeah. He, he's been hitting everything. He's hit. He had a really big shot against OKC last night. He's just who would have guessed that trade for Marcus Morris and Reggie Bullock for practically nothing would make such a big difference for the Pistons this year. Yeah, he's getting his confidence. He's he's getting that swagger. He's playing well at the right time. Pistons are going to need him to play that well heading into the playoffs, and then you know. Like you said, his brother. It's unfortunate his brother's not going to be able to do this for a playoff team. Um, this yeah. was. See a free agent at, in, coming into no, this they summer. They signed that big deal with the. That's right. Yeah. Sons. Yeah, that's so right. Marcus is making like five million a year over the next three or something, two or three. So that'll that'll round up the playoffs in the East. I think. Who is in the top eight right now is who stays. I think you you agreed with that as well. Yeah. Some jockeying for a position. We'll... Quick run quick rundown of the teams we have in our order. I have Cavs, Raptors, Hawks, Hornets, Heat, Celtics, Pacers, Pistons. 
and I have, let's see, starting from the top, Cavs, Raptors, Miami, Atlanta, Charlotte, Boston, Pistons, Pacers. All right. We'll write these down and then make fun of each other when we're wrong. Yep. It's just bound to happen. So, mm-hmm. so there's you got anything else on these playoff teams? Anything else on the Pistons? Uh, no. One thing that I thought of while we were talking about Miles Turner was that it's so hard to judge some of those college players just because they aren't in the right place. Yeah. Like, they don't have the right people around them. I think we've talked about this before a little bit, but Miles Turner, I think, could have been really good in college. It's the same with, like, I mean, there are a few players in college now, like Wade Baldwin, I think he could be good, but just not in the right position. Like, I could see him being, like, Beverly or like George Hill, like not a great ball handler, but he can guard two. I think he could guard two guard positions and he can shoot threes. So I think he could be a really good NBA player at the next level where the position he was in now at Vanderbilt just wasn't right for him. Um, But so there are just a few players like that. And like AJ Hammonds, I think if he was surrounded by actual shooters at Purdue and not another seven footer and some guys who were trying to get to the rim so often, I think he could have been really good this year, and I think his draft stock would be way higher than it is. So it'll be interesting. I always enjoy seeing some of those players because you don't sometimes you don't realize that they're not in the right position until after the draft happens and after a couple years, and then you're looking right. back at it and you're like, "Geez, how did anyone miss that guy?" Yeah, yeah, you make a really good point. It's but, it's always fun to look, you know, look back and see where players were as opposed to where they are now. And, and yeah. like you mentioned, just be like, wow, you know, who, who would have thought, you know, seeing them in college, you just never would have guessed. And so much of it has to do with the system they're in in mm-hmm. college and who they're surrounded by. Because college is so much of a team game that these individuals don't often get to display what they can really do. Yeah, yeah. If they're in their if they're not in the right system, like you said, then it's impossible for the, them to display everything they can do, and they just do the best they can. And sometimes people miss that. But so I've I've got a couple questions for you, a couple of rapid fire questions. All right, I'm ready. Our our favorite favorite segment. I know it is. First favorite. one has Definitely. to do with Anthony Davis, Pelicans All Star, who is out for the rest of the year. They shut him down. And we know about the incentive that Anthony Davis had to make one of the all in NBA teams so he could make that extra I think something like sixteen million. That's something a lot like of that. Money. A lot of money. So my question to you, does Anthony Davis make an all NBA team? Whew. I So who would we put in front of him? I mean, talent-wise, uh, if he's playing a full season, there's not many people you're going to put in front of him. All right, wait. Rapid fire part, I think he does make it. I think he okay. gets all NBA third team. Well, what? what's his position? What, what do they put him at, power forward or center? He can go wherever. Well, for this NBA team, what do you think they would put him at? Um wherever they can fit him at because I think (laughs) people want to put him there. Yeah, so you think, uh, so you say yes, he does make an all-NBA team? Yeah. 
I, I think I, I, th- I think I agree with you. I don't think he gets first or second. I don't I think, think he they could sneak get him in third. Center is pretty tough position. So, so let's. But maybe center. Not. All all NBA first team center is who? I don't even know. Is yeah, Cousins is it Drummond? I I think it's going to be Drummond this year because of the double doubles that he's been putting up. Is it Horford? And <laughs> I think he, I don't know if, if Horford qualifies as a center. I guess he would, but I think first team at the center position is going to be Drummond because he's doing it on a playoff team. And then I think second team you would put Cousins. And I think third team. I I, I mean if you're gonna put Anthony Davis as a center, I guess you'd put Davis third team center. Yeah, I think I mean DeAndre Jordan could take that third team. Yeah. White that's, Howard that's could true. take it. Whiteside could take it. Since he's been playing so well. Yeah. Um and then if we're looking at forwards, I mean, he was really good. I yeah. don't – I mean, who else would beat him? I mean, LaMarcus's numbers are down since he's playing with the Spurs, so that hurts. That takes away one of those guys. Um, Bosch has been out for some, so that takes away another. Nowitzki's not going to make it. Um, I guess Draymond Green would probably take one of those. Yeah, LeBron will take the other. LeBron will take another. So there's first team. Probably Kawhi. Kawhi will be, yeah, I guess Kawhi will be on there. I, I, I'm with you. I think he sneaks onto the third team, though. I think he does make an All NBA team. I think he gets into that third team and picks up that bonus. Yeah, there aren't a lot of guys because we have. I mean, we're saying that he has what nine spots that he could fill. Yeah. Because he yeah, center forward forward for three different. Yeah, the reason I ask is just because of him being shut down. I so know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, ma- it makes it, you know, it makes it a tough choice. I think for the people who vote on this, they they really have to take into account how many games he played. So, but no, I agree I think, with you. I think he does. I, I think he does. I think he snags a third team probably. Yeah. I mean, Millsap could snag one spot, but. So I think it would probably be Millsap. We should do a podcast on our NBA teams. All NBA oh, for teams. sure. Yep. I would definitely have to do that. So, All, all right. So my rapid, answer, my yes. not very yes. rapid fire answer is that he yeah, makes not it. Not very rapid fire, but that's okay. Rapid fire question number two. With Blake set to return after he serves the team in post four-game suspension, does that, that so have shady. a negative impact on the Clippers? A, that was some shady, shady stuff going on. This is what happened. The Clippers said he could start his imposed suspension now. But chances are he's not fully healthy. He wouldn't be playing games anyways. Mm-hmm. But since it was imposed by the Clippers, it, they can say when the suspension is imposed or when they actually happen. I believe that's how it is. Yeah. So that's super shady for part one of that. Part two is I think he has a positive impact in that the Clippers don't have a chance of winning it all unless he's playing his best basketball. And just that possibility of having a higher potential, a higher ceiling 
is what makes that completely worth it or makes him worth it. Yeah, I agree. Even though the Clippers have been playing decent basketball without him and they've been doing it for all, I mean, he's been out for forever. What, close to 40 something games, maybe? I have no clue, but he's. It's been a while. Injury, breaking hands, more injuries. Yeah, the quad, then the fight. And Clippers still put up a 46 and 27 uh, mark. That's, you know, that's. You're probably really close with 40. He's played 30 games this season. So, yeah, he's missed. 13 or 43. So, he's missed a huge number of games. So, Rust is definitely going to come into uh, play here. Chemistry, I don't think chemistry is going to be too bad, you know, because he's been there for a while and has been playing with the guys for a while. It's just, it's hard for anyone who has missed that much time to come back and and get into game shape. It's just so different going from practice to NBA games. Not hey, that least, I would know. At least but. he has these four injury here, these four game suspension to get back into shape. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's a positive impact. I, I would say there could be some, some issues with him, but I think they're going to be minimal. And like you said, Clippers have no shot unless he's doing Blake Griffin things. So, And rapid-fire question number three. With the Spurs really setting the precedent of resting players, then you see Cleveland resting LeBron. My question to you, is it a problem that NBA teams keep resting their players? And by problem, I just mean, is it a problem for the league as far as uh, games, watchability of games, fans getting pissed off, that kind of thing? Is it a problem? I do not think it's a problem, but I think there should be an unwritten rule. Um, eh, maybe not. I was going to say that you only rest players at home, but maybe on the road. I don't know. If you rest them on the road, I mean, players, people usually aren't going to see your team. So if you rest them on the road, then chances are they're still seeing their favorite player for their hometown that they root for. But if you rest them at home um, or on the road, that's the only chance a lot of people have to get to see Stephen Curry play or whatever. I do not think it's an issue. I think there's a chance in the future that the NBA could reduce the amount of games per season, which would reduce the amount of games players needed to rest. But I don't think it's an issue. And it does suck when someone rests, but like, I mean, even in the war, the thunder game last night versus the Pistons, you still got to see Russell Westbrook and him get to do Russell Westbrook things. So eh, not a big issue to me. Yeah. I don't think it's a big issue either. Got to remember a couple years ago when David Stern fined the Spurs for resting their three key guys on a nationally televised game. I think that's when you can run into a problem is when you know, that you are going to be a key nationally televised game. I, in that instance, I believe the Spurs were playing the Heat, and this was the Miami Heat when they had LeBron. Yeah. And I think that's where you can kind of get into some murky waters as far as resting players when you know it's going to be a 
big nationally televised game. Looking yeah, to get that kind of go. That has to go. The unwritten rule so, part too. Yeah, I I think if you can negotiate some kind of I don't know deal or some kind of understanding to not do that then I don't think there's any issue with it at all because these teams are playing for a championship. And like you said, it's a long season, 82-game season. NBA needs to cut that back. That's too many games. I don't care about your records. I don't care about your 72 wins, 73 wins that the Warriors are going to get. Who cares? Yeah. You, you want these players to be healthy. 82 games in a long time with how good, how fast, how athletic these guys are. They're doing things that no generation of nba players have done before and they're you know they're pushing their bodies to the max on a nightly basis Mm -hmm. they need those rest days you know they're they're going in the right direction getting rid of some of those you know four games or uh back to back to backs or or some or the amount of back to backs that they have in a Mm -hmm. season yeah they step in the right direction but it's not enough they've got to reduce the games of the season or else you're going to get more teams more big name teams that are playing other big name teams and you're going to have stars resting and it's going to annoy some fans and they're going to be calling out to adam silver for him to do something and and if you're adam silver it's not what you want you want to make the fans happy but you also got to realize you got to keep these players happy too you got to give them the rest that they need yeah and my biggest argument would be if players aren't getting this rest, then chances are they're going to suffer more injuries, so then fans won't be getting to see those players for even a longer time. So, really, it just comes down to, I think, how long the season is. If the season's going to stay at 82 games, then you can't be mad when, player, when coaches rest players. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, we're in agreement for all three of my rapid-fire questions. I'll try to think of some more that have a little more debate to them. Yeah, worst day of my life. Yeah, it's awful. I'm sorry. I'll make it better on Friday. All right. But, yeah, you have anything else? No, no. Eastern Conference playoffs, uh, exciting times. Hope to get another pot in in a couple days talking about the Western Conference playoff picture. This one is a little clearer, unfortunately, than the Eastern Conference, but still a couple compelling races that we'll be able to get to. Uh, Warriors, Spurs. Yeah, Clippers, Thunder, what's going to happen? Definitely be more about playoff matchups there. Yep, definitely playoff matchups. It'll be something good to dive into. But I don't have anything else if you don't have anything else. Nope, I'm good, my friend. All right, it's always a pleasure. As always, thanks for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to our page on iTunes. You can find all of our podcasts listed there. Give us a follow on Twitter at JJ underscore sports radio. You'll find a link to our website on our Twitter profile as well. We appreciate you tuning in for James. I'm Jacob. Take it easy. Rock on.